0: Chapter 9 of A History of American Political Theories by Charles Edward Merriam. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Conclusion In conclusion of this study, a few words may be said upon the general characteristics of American political theory. It is evident from the preceding chapters that thus far there has been no remarkable development of political philosophy in the United States. Until recently, there has been no attempt at all at systematic discussion of the problems of politics, and although the New School has accomplished much, it has not yet developed a body of typical American political theory. It would be putting it strongly to say that there is no American political theory, But it is certainly true that very few contributions to systematic politics have been made by the great republic of the new world. Many of the characteristic features, even of our own political system, have received comparatively little attention. As, for example, democracy is an all-pervading influence in society and state, the rule of the majority, written constitutions, the relation between church and state. These ideas seem to be so generally accepted that argument or discussion is regarded as superfluous. They are articles of political faith received with implicit confidence and trust. In general, American political theory has been struck off in connection with controversies over specific subjects. The rights of man, the consent of the governed, the right of revolution were discussed in relation to the revolution of 1776. The question of aristocracy, artificial and natural, was associated with the struggle between the Federalists and their opponents. The effort to restrict the spread of slavery led to the discussion of the proper relation between unequal races under conditions which render coexistence on the same soil necessary. The great problem of the character of the Union gave rise to the examination of the nature of federal government, the essential marks of sovereignty, and the elements of nationality. In recent days, the territorial expansion of the United States again raises the problem of the consent of the governed and the right relation between races of widely different capacity. But in all these instances, the constitutional or legal aspects of the problem have been most freely and most fully discussed, while the principles of political science have been the object of far less attention. The nature of the Union, for example, was much more thoroughly and ably treated from the constitutional point of view than from that of political science. Or, to take another case, the constitutional phases of slavery extension were much more carefully studied than the question of human rights or of race relations. The causes of this scarcity of political theory are various. It may be urged that the lack of theory is due to the tendency of the American or the Englishman toward action rather than reflection, to be practical rather than philosophical. In this connection it is well to remember, however, that it was an English thinker, John Locke, who worked out the fundamental principles of the english american and french revolutions of the 17th and 18th centuries another englishman edmund burke was the author of the most effective work written against those principles and yet another englishman thomas hobbes framed one of the strongest theoretical arguments in favor of absolutism a more plausible explanation than inability to think abstractly is found in the argument that the tendencies of modern democracy are not yet fully enough developed to make possible the formulation of political theory respecting these new conditions. From this point of view, the development of a typical American theory is yet to come. It may further be questioned how far American political theory is dependent upon foreign sources for its inspiration, and to which of these sources we are especially indebted. Some reference has been made to this in the discussion of the various schools, but a summary of these influences may not be appropriate at this point. The great reservoir from which the Fathers drew was the English political theory of the preceding century. The ideas of Sidney, Locke, and the English Whig revolutionists, This was the origin of the fundamental doctrines to which the patriots adhered this body of ideas has had in the past and still has a great hold on the political thought of the american also of great influence on the course of american political speculation have been the individualistic theories of mill and spencer which have been widely read and widely accepted. Among jurists, the theory of John Austin and the School of Positive Law has been the subject of frequent discussion and has been very influential. Of French thinkers, by far the strongest influence exerted on American theory was that of Montesquieu. Though the famous doctrine of the tripartite division of governmental powers this proposition was readily taken up from the first and remains to this day scarcely contested the french revolution gave a great impulse to the democratic movement in america as did the revolutions of 1830 and 1848 yet few of the doctrines of that day took deep root in american soil distute de tracy was recommended by jefferson but never was highly influential one of the reactionaries against the french revolution De maistre had been sometimes referred to in the controversy over the nature of the union because of his statement of the theory that constitutions cannot be made offhand but are the result of growth through long periods the influence of comte upon social and political science must be included in the summary of french influence upon american thought upon the whole it is evident that american theory has pursued its course without much regard to the political ideas current among the french Doubtless, the revolution of 1789 and the succeeding revolutions helped to strengthen the democratic impulse and tendency for the influence of these movements was worldwide, but the immediate and direct effect of these events on American political thought, it is not easy to discover. The influence came in the form of a general stimulus rather than of particular doctrines or principles. In recent years, the influence of the German political scientists has been most pronounced. This influence began with the work of Francis Lieber as an instructor in American schools and an investigator in the field of political science. In the movement toward the study of politics during the last few decades, the leaders, almost without exception, have been men trained in German schools, familiar with German methods, and profoundly influenced by German ideas. The work of such publicists as Neist, Stein, Ehring, Bluntschli, Jelinek, and Holtzendorf is clearly evident in the method and thought of present-day political scientists. So far as particular doctrines are concerned, the influence of the German school is most obvious in relation to the contract theory of the origin of the state and the idea of the function of the state. The theory that the state originates in an agreement between men was assailed by the German thinkers and the historical, organic, evolutionary idea substituted for it. The purpose of the state they have expanded from the police theory to that of general care for the interests of the community. Changes of American theory in this direction cannot, however, be attributed exclusively to the influence of the German school, the same tendencies have been conspicuous in English and French theory, and in the case of the contract had already been developed by Calhoun and Story. It's interesting to observe at this point that as between the idea of natural rights, the German Naturrecht, and the Austinian theory, the general tendency in the United States has been to accept the doctrine that there is a body of natural rights, semi-ethical, semi-political in nature. The idea that there are inalienable rights of man, quasi-political in character has taken firm hold of the popular mind and it has not been dislodged by any of the numerous attacks upon this theory since the french revolution the chief foreign influences at work upon the american theory have been the english the french and the german Of these, it may be said that the French influence consists largely in the democratic impulse given during the days of the revolution. The German contribution is chiefly in the direction of scientific method, and that the fundamental political ideas of the Americans have been deeply influenced only by the English thinkers, especially those of the 17th century. The present generation looks back to the fathers, and the fathers look back to the men of the preceding century. From a consideration of outside influence upon American ideas, we turn to an examination of the effect of American theory on other peoples. The general influence of Americans institutions and ideas has been great but examples of specific doctrines or particular men who have left their impress on the political ideas of other countries are not so easy to find. Such instances, although infrequent, are not, however, wholly wanting. Thomas Paine, in reply to Burke, Calhoun on the rights of minorities, Lieber on the idea of self-government, are cases in point. Of special importance also was the American theory of a federal union, as expounded in The Federalist and by Webster and Calhoun. Particularly in connection with the German problem of national unity, these ideas were widely discussed. The Federalist theory of a double Sovereignty was predominant in the school of which Waits was the chief exponent, and Calhoun's doctrine of the indivisibility of sovereignty is accepted by Max Seidel and those of his particularistic faith. American institutions and ideas, as described in the brilliant study of de Tocqueville, 1835, were made familiar to Europeans and in this way left their impress upon those peoples at a critical period in the history of constitutional government. In more recent times, a like service has been rendered by James Bryce in his classic work on the American Commonwealth. It goes without saying that the mightiest influence exerted by the United States in the domain of political science has been due to the example of a democracy successfully working on a large scale. It would be a gross exaggeration to say without qualification that the constitutional reforms of the 19th century were caused by the developments in America, but on the other hand, it is clear evident that the american republic has been a powerful factor in the growth of a constitutional democracy and of constitutional government in general in mexico and the south american republics this influence is seen in institutions framed obviously after the american type in european countries the influence is far less powerful but even there it has been remarkable not always or even often taking the shape of systematic theory the democratic spirit and practice of the united states have nevertheless made themselves felt in the development of free institutions What has been said of democratic government might also be said of federal government, for in this field, the practical influence of the American system has been widespread. The systems of Germany, Canada, Australia, Mexico, and Brazil are sufficient evidence of this. In conclusion, it may be profitable to notice what has been the broad tendency of American politics, including the theoretical and the practical. During the early period of our history, the movement was steadily democratic. Using the suffrage as a standard, although this is not the only test that might be applied, It is evident that the fathers were more democratic than the puritans the jeffersonian democracy was more liberal than that of 1776 the jacksonian democracy went far beyond the jeffersonian school the abolitionists extended the boundary lines farther yet and the advocates of women's suffrage have even surpassed this liberal provision the political people were roughly speaking in the first stage the church members In the next, the freeholders. In the third place, the white male citizens. In the fourth period, all adult males, and now tend to include the whole adult population. Property qualifications have disappeared. Religious restrictions have fallen into disuse. Popular election of officers has displaced the system of legislative choice. Constitutions are now usually adopted by popular vote. And the referendum has been introduced upon many state and local issues certain events in very recent times have been interpreted however as indicative of a decline in democratic faith it is asserted that the rapid concentration of wealth is destroying the economic basis on which democracy rests and that the substance of power has passed or is passing from the masses The forms of power, it is said, cannot longer remain in conflict with the actual forces and facts, and, as the organization of industry has become undemocratic, the organization of government must soon follow in the same direction. It is further urged that the United States has acquired a vast domain lying outside of our geographical group, containing a population which can never be admitted to equal fellowship in the Union, but if held at all must be retained on terms of political inequality. The conclusion drawn is that the ideals of earlier days have been forgotten and that the present tendency is away from democratic institutions without attempting to discuss the future for that lies outside the scope of an historical study it may be said that down to the present time at least the tendency of american political theory and practice must be regarded as essentially democratic there is little in either the industrial or the colonial situation to indicate a departure from the line of democratic progress It is true that the concentration of wealth is increasing at a very rapid rate, and that the legal title to much property is passing into the hands of a few. But it must be remembered that under present conditions, the increase of private possessions does not necessarily signify that power is passing from the hands of the people. On the contrary, in many industries, the greater the growth of individual or corporate control, the nearer is that control to becoming popular control. If, for example, a railroad combination should acquire all the railroad systems of the United States, it is highly probable that railroad operation would very soon become a government function or at least the situation would give rise to a very large measure of regulation by the people what seems like the climax of individual or corporate control is likely to pass over into governmental control or regulation the idea that property is an absolute and unsalable right of the individual and that the government exists chiefly for the purpose of protecting this right is no longer accepted as in the earlier days on the contrary The relation of property to the community is now emphasized and the right of the state to defend its citizens against unfair competition is widely recognized it is evident then that the concentration of wealth does not signify under present conditions the destruction of democratic government but on the contrary is likely if continued to call out a greater extension of democratic activity In any event, a permanent crystallization of enormous wealth in the hands of any class is not likely to occur, since the transmission of property from one generation to another is in the hands of the people and may readily be controlled by the machinery of government if such a tendency becomes threatening. Inheritance is generally regarded as a social function, and the inheritance tax is a remedy which is capable of indefinite extension. This instrument may do for democracy what the law of entail did for the old aristocracies, We conclude, therefore, that from the industrial point of view, there is little ground for believing that the present drift is away from democracy. It is further urged, however, that the acquisition of territory unfit for admission into the Union and without the consent of the population annexed is an indication of a defection from the principles of the fathers and the settled policy of the United States. Reasoning from precedent, however, it appears that the phrase consent of the governed was never applied in the literal or anything approximating the literal sense of the term. The Puritans disregarded the Indians altogether and consulted the preferences of the church members, who were the political people. The fathers disregarded the Negroes and consulted the freeholders, to the exclusion of a large portion of the male adults. Likewise, the Jeffersonian and the Jacksonian democracy ignored the blacks as a political element, refusing them not only political but even the most rudimentary civil rights. The emancipation of the slaves was brought about in the course of a war that was fought in direct disregard of the principle of the consent of the governed. The 11 seceding states were simply held in the Union by force of arms, without their consent, and despite their most emphatic protest. From the point of view of the South, they were a separate people, and the war against them was one of conquest and subjugation. Waiving the matter of precedent and considering the question as one of principle, it is evident that much depends on one's political theory. If we believe that government has no jurisdiction over men unless they have consented to it, and that every man is entitled to equal civil and political rights, regardless of his fitness for them, then it follows that to deprive any man of the suffrage for any cause, or any people of self-government for any cause, is a departure from democratic principles. On the basis, it would be concluded that within the last four years, democracy in the United States had received a decided setback. If, on the other hand, it is believed that liberty and rights are necessarily conditioned upon political capacity, and that the consent of the governed is a principle which, in the present state of affairs, cannot be perfectly realized, then the situation is altered. From this point of view, the possession of full political rights by every man is an ideal which should, as far as possible, be realized. This was the contemporary interpretation of the fathers who framed the revolutionary state constitutions. This was the idea of Thomas Jefferson, of Calhoun, and of Lincoln, and it is the view taken by the overwhelming majority of modern political scientists. This position, it is submitted, is the only tenable one for modern democracy. Doubtless, this doctrine may be perverted to despotic uses, but it is not so near despotism, as is the opposite doctrine to anarchy. For the full application of the doctrine of the consent of the governed and of the absolute equality of all, in political as well as civil rights, at the present day, would be equivalent to the dissolution of every political society now existing. Even with civilized peoples, the democracy of the present day must, of necessity, be imperfect, there must be in every community some exceptions to the general law of political equality. It appears then that whatever may be said of the opportunists of the new movement in time or place, the charge that it is a departure from democratic ideas has no basis in the principles of political science. Democracy does not demand that barbarians be admitted to equal political rights, with peoples long train in the art of self-government, nor, on the other hand, does it require that democratic states leave the work of political civilization to countries where constitutional liberty is unknown, or to states possessing a less degree of constitutional liberty than their own. It cannot be an article of democratic faith that democratic states must stand by and allow the despotic states of the world to extend a despotic system over the weaker nations of the earth. Our conclusion is then that the charge that democracy is on the decline in the United States is not proven. There are certain tendencies which, if taken alone, might seem to point in such a direction, But when we consider as a whole the numerous tendencies of which democracy is made up, it is found that there are other and counterbalancing influences equally important and significant. Hence, it cannot be said that the broad tendency of American political life is away from democracy. End of a History of American Political Theories by Charles Edward Merriam